Amen. Well, if you were listening carefully to the lyrics of that last song, you heard the sermon already. All right. So, uh, but we are going to be looking. We're going through our sermon series on members of one body. What it means to be part of a local church. Uh, we started off this series talking about the gospel, uh, the message of the Christian faith, which is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that He rose from the dead and triumph over the grave. Last week we looked at the church. Uh, what is the local church? There's the universal church, all Christians, all people, all Christians throughout all the world, throughout all the ages, but then there's a local visible gathering of believers, of those who believe the gospel. Uh, today we're going to start looking at now what the church does. What the church does. And the most important thing, the central thing it does, is studies the scriptures. Studies the scriptures. Um, hopefully, this is, the, this is one of the things... The main thing that you find at First Baptist Church of Haverhill, and really any good church, a Bible-believing church, well, any good thing, is that they study the Bible. It's what a church does. Now, of course, there's different ways to do that. Hopefully, faithful preaching of the Word of God, so faithful explanation, exposition of the Scriptures in the preaching ministry of a church goes beyond that in its small group ministry and in its Bible studies that and maybe even some classes. They're, they're studying what the scriptures have to say and how they apply to different areas of life. Um, hopefully a church is encouraging you to do family devotionals, that you're working together with your family um, and teaching your kids the Bible as well. And then finally, hopefully a church is encouraging you and equipping you to read the Bible on your own. Uh, that you're studying the Bible on your own, hopefully daily even. Um, in, in that package that was given out to our ladies, there's a Bible reading plan uh, to be reading the scriptures every day. If you miss a day, you move on and you just keep going. And, uh, but to be regularly, to give you resources um, and direction when it comes to studying the Bible. Uh, why is that? Because there's something special about this book. There is something special. This I could say for sure. Um, whether you're a believer or not, there is something special about this book. This book changes lives. I've seen it happen dozens and dozens of times in my own life and happens throughout all the world. This book changes lives. This book transforms cultures, <laughs> uh, transforms nations, uh, transforms uh, kingdoms and Western civilization. <laughs> There's something special about this book. And this book makes the difference between whether a church thrives spiritually or doesn't. Is spiritually dead. What you do with this book. Friends, what does a church do? A lot of good things, hopefully. But first on the list, a, a church studies the Bible. Studies the scriptures. We're going to be in 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Uh, we'll have it on the screen. Or you want to open up your Bible in front of you. You certainly can do that as well. 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. This is a letter written by an apostle named Paul to a younger Christian who's become a church leader named Timothy. Um, and this is what we read in 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. He gives him some advice specifically about the scriptures. 14, he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So always as an outline in your bulletin if you want to see where we're going or take notes. Uh, but we're going to just walk right through this passage together uh, before we head out with our moms to lunch or wherever you're doing after, after the service here. Uh, but first, continue to learn the scriptures from others. Continue to learn the scriptures from others. Paul, in verses 14 through 15, 14 and 15, Paul encourages Timothy uh, to continue on on what he has learned. He starts off with a but, um, setting it in contrast to what was previously said. What did he say previously? We didn't read that part, but he's talking about the false teachers, what evil people do. And in contrast to that, he says to Timothy, you continue on. Continue on. Persevere. And a lot of the Bible, a lot of the Christian life, friends, by the way, is not you got to learn something new um, or you got to radically change something. A lot of the Christian life is just keep doing what you're doing and just keep doing it over years and decades and ultimately until the day you pass on. He's saying here, just keep going on what you're doing. You've learned the scriptures. Now, how did he learn the scriptures? A number of different ways. He grew up with a, a Jewish mom, a Greek, Gentile um, non-believing father, but Timothy grew up with a Jewish mom, so he probably refers to what some of the stuff he learned in a synagogue. His mom probably took him to a synagogue. He learned the Torah. He learned some of the basics of, of the Bible in the synagogue. He learned from his family. We're going to look at that in just a second here. And he learned from other Christian leaders and teachers, including Paul himself. Uh, you've learned from others. Continue what you've learned. And he says here, you've been learning this, Timothy, since you were a child. <laughs> From childhood, this is something you've been, you've been steeped in ever since you are, were a little kid. Now, how did he learn it as a kid? He tells us in the, in the beginning of this letter, 1 Timothy, which we didn't read right now, uh, 2 Timothy 1.5. Um, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt, he says, in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure also dwells in you. And what a powerful statement there about mothers. <laughs> You learned the scriptures from your mother Eunice. And she learned it from her grandmother, Lois. And you've learned directly from Lois, too. So grandmothers as well. You have an influence on your, your grandkids. Here's Timothy walking with the Lord, overseeing the churches in a whole area of Ephesus there. And he's saying, you, this faith was at work ever since you were a kid, as your mother invested in you and taught you the Bible and your grandmother as well taught you, as he says here, the sacred writings, which is another name for the scripture, the Bible, uh, the word of God. When we say the word of God, we mean the written word of God here when we talk about the scriptures, inscripted word of God. Set apart writings, different than other writings you would read, which he says are able to make you wise for salvation. They tell us about Jesus, about Christ through faith in him. Friends, one of the ways, one of the most important ways, perhaps the, the only way we can learn the Bible is from others. From others. We learn from others. Uh, from mothers, too, but from others is what I said. Uh, if, if I went around and I asked you, how did you, all the Christians here, and I said, how did you come to know and understand the Bible and learn anything about it? Um, I think that everyone here would probably take us a few hours to do it, so we won't do it. But everyone would here would say something similar to Mary Lou said, Someone else taught it to me. Someone else explained it to me. Another person had to sort of invest in me and tell me about Jesus and tell me about the Bible, and then I, that's how I began to learn and to understand it. Uh, it. It may have been a family member for you, probably multiple people, obviously. Uh, a parent, like a mother, 
Uh, my mom uh, used to, not used to, she still does, I just don't live at home anymore, but she, she puts up Bible verses, little, little pieces of paper with Bible verses, sticky notes, all over the house. So we're constantly remem- reminded of what the Bible... So I memorized a lot of verses from, from that, like Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. How did I know that? Because it's sitting right above our, it was sitting right above our kitchen table every single day, <laughs> that verse there. We learn it from a parent. We learn it from a sibling, perhaps. My brother Joe was, uh, well, he was in the Air Force, is the one who led me to faith in Christ. Um, maybe from a son or daughter. It can go either way. God calls kids to, to, to explain it to their parents as well. Uh, maybe for you as a, a preacher. Uh, I know I've talked to a number of folks who went to a Billy Graham crusade in Boston in the 1970s and still talk about that day when a preacher had his influence. Maybe it was a pastor. A number of you told me stories about C.C. Meaden um, and how he influenced you. And some of you go, who's C.C. Meaden? He was the pastor before the pastor before me. All right? Pastor before the pastor before me. And his influence is still felt here in our church. Uh, maybe it's a good a community group leader or Bible study leader who has influenced you and taught you the word. Someone like a Russell Hathaway or a Dennis DeGenero or Kevin McNamara has influenced you by, by leading a community group. Or maybe you learned it in Sunday school or Kid Town. Uh, somebody invested, somebody gave the time and the, and the energy and the effort and used their gifts. Maybe a, a Chris Havens or a Dev Vlaho spoke to, your, to you as when you were a young kid and that's how you began to learn the scriptures. Rarely, very rarely does someone learn the Bible completely on their own. It does happen, by the way. I had a friend whose father came to faith by reading the Bible in a hotel room. And that happens. Um, but even still, even still, somebody put that Bible there. Right, the Bible had to get there somehow. Uh, not to mention there were people who put in translation work to get it there. And there was a whole press company, publishing company, that published the Bible to get it out there. Um, obviously, the, the Gideons are a major organization that does this, gets that, the Bible out there. And they put on this really neat um, pastor's appreciation dinner every year, almost every, every other year. So I, I went to that on Saturday, and the Perons and the Means put up, it was a, were there, of course, as our uh, Gideons, and it was a beautiful, beautiful time, an encouraging time for pastors. One of the stories that hit me was this one guy, I forget what country it was in, uh, but he had a bird's nest, stork nest, on the top of his roof. And uh, people said, leave it alone, don't, don't touch the stork's nest, it's, it's good luck. And finally the guy said, you know what, I don't want it there, it's causing all this mess, Climbs up on his roof and he tries to take down the stork's nest. He's pulling all the pieces out and he pulls out a piece, a page of a Bible. A Gideon Bible that was stuck in by the bird. And he reads it from Romans 5 and comes to faith in Jesus. <laughs> they go amazing. But of course, somebody had to get that Bible out there. It was so, it's not as if he came to faith completely on his own. Uh, somebody put in the effort and our church, for example, supports Gideons and things like that to get the word out there, And even as we see, amazingly, right now in the Middle East, these visions, um, particularly to Muslims who are coming to faith. Well, what happens in the vision almost always, if you read up on these stories, and a lot of them are very legitimate, points them to a Christian believer in which they come and someone else explains the gospel to them. This is important to us, important for us to get. You learn the Bible from others. That's God's primary method of bringing his word to us. So what does that mean? First of all, make sure you are in a place to learn the Bible from others. 
Uh, we have a responsibility to make sure you're in a place where, where you're hearing good preaching, um, where you're taught the word well. Uh, look beyond the theatrics of preaching. Uh, there are some people who are great public speakers, um, and then there are people who are faithful expositors of the word. Make sure you're looking for them. Put yourself in a place where you're hearing good preaching. Um, also know that you and I can be that person, that person that explains the Bible to others, that God uses to reach others, to teach them, or to witness to them. And certainly, friends, make your kids a priority when it comes to teaching the Word. Be like Eunice and Lois, the grandmother and mother of Timothy here. Teach and train your kids. Obviously, those serving in Kid Town Ministry, even right now, upstairs, what an awesome thing. Do some family devotionals. Um, I, I don't know about you, it gets busy, it's hard. If I get two or three family devotionals in a week, I'm doing well. So I get it, things get busy, but take the time to explain. To you. Obviously, my kids are getting older now, but take the time to explain the Bible to your, to your kids and live life well in front of them that they can see it. And one other way we do this, you can support that person who does this very thing, who is out there to teach the Word. One of the things we're hoping to do is hire a minister to youth in this upcoming year. And your generosity helps us Hire someone, call someone who can then minister to our youth. We support our missionaries who are out there teaching the Bible to people who have never heard it. And of course, we can get out there and let people know. But verse 16a, first part of verse 16, believe in the inspiration of the scriptures. Uh, So not only continue to learn it, but believe in its power, its inspiration. Uh, He says just this one part of the verse, all scripture is breathed out by God. What a statement that is. We're going to kind of unpack that a little. With this one little line, he explains the authority of the Bible. All Scripture. So first of all, he says all Scripture. Um, of course, in Paul's mind, at, this, at the writing of this time, he refers to all of the Old Testament. Because that would have been the Scriptures that they were familiar with. Uh, that would have been the, the Torah, the writings, and the prophets. Uh, sometimes called the Tanakh. You hear that term? Uh, Tanakh is just T-N-K. Uh, which are the three he- first of the three Hebrew letters that begin the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. That's what that, that is talking about there. He would have been steeped in this, learning the scriptures. But of course, the New Testament was added and recognized to be authoritative and on par with the Old Testament very quickly. Uh, not everything that the apostles wrote was considered scripture. Certain things were recognized to be biblical, recognized to be on par with scripture, passed along from church to church, and then added ultimately to the canon of the Bible. Recognize that this not, is not inspired because somebody wrote it, but because God himself was working and using it powerfully and spoke truly through the word. But he describes here that all scripture is breathed out by God. Theopneustos. It's inspired. Actually, inspire means to breathe in, right? Inspire. Um, but if you if really to breathe out would be to be expire. But you don't want to say all scripture is expired. That does not, that doesn't give it. So we'll use inspire. All scripture is inspired of God. It's as if God took a piece of glass or a mirror and breathed his very own breath on it. That's what the Bible is. Now let me explain what this means and what this doesn't mean. Uh, it means the Bible is true. Um, always when it's taken in context and understood rightly. Um, it's always true, but it has to be understood in context and rightly. You can't just grab something. This is a common uh, mistake people make. Is 
Some things are given as wisdom, uh, and some things are given as promises. Uh, not everything that's given as wisdom, he who works hard becomes wealthy. That's in, the Pro- in Proverbs, right? Oh, I worked hard, I didn't get wealthy. Well, not everything is given as promises. Some are just saying these are general, this is general wisdom. So Proverbs mostly is. And some things are absolute promises. Those who believe in Jesus will spend eternity with God forever. That's a promise. You can bank your life upon it. Uh, the Bible is the final and supreme authority for Christians in the church. Uh, not the only authority. Sometimes people say, well, the Bible is the only authority. No. Uh, actually, God puts the state in place. He puts local church elders in place. He gives parents. He gives employees, employers. Uh, there are other authorities, but the Bible is the supreme authority for Christians in the church. And the Bible primarily is about Jesus at the center. It tells a story. And at the center of the story is Christ, our Savior. As he said earlier, the scriptures are able to make you wise for what? For salvation through faith in Christ. That's what the scriptures are ultimately about. The Bible is clear. Uh, There's an old doctrine called the perspicuity of scripture, which is itself not very clear. And the word perspicuity means clear. So the the clarity of scripture. But the idea is that the Bible is understandable. Uh, Even a child can understand the essentials of the faith. So if you hear something about you have to have this certain code or this particular commentary or you can't understand the Bible rightly, that's not true. The Bible is meant to be clear and understandable. It takes work to understand it, but it's understandable. The Bible will last. Uh, It hit me one day thinking about this, that the Bible that I'm reading was on this planet way, way before me. (laughs) Before I was even a thought in my great-great-great-great-great-grandparents' mind. I mean, uh, it was, it's been on this planet for a long time, and if the Lord waits and tarries, it will be on this planet well after I am long and gone. The very words that I'm reading to you this morning are going to outlive everyone in this room if the Lord tarries. And Isaiah 40, which was written well before everyone here, says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And it's true. God wrote his word, and until today it still stands forever. Friends, believe in its inspiration. Believe in its inspiration and live it out. Um, It's not just about having the right statement of faith, although we do want to make sure we do have that. Our statement of faith says we believe that the Bible is the word of God, fully inspired and without error in the original manuscripts, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that it has supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. So, we want that. We want to make sure that's in our statement of faith. That's what we believe. But we want to practice it, to live it out, to live with a recognition of its inspired nature. Read it. Read the Bible. Uh, The Bible is not written for scholars. It's written for you and me. It's written for everyone who believes in Christ. And again, we're responsible to put ourselves in the good hearing and teaching of the Word. Um, And I would say, when you read it, meditate on it. Pray for the Holy Spirit to make it clear. Uh, It's not a a speed-reading contest. (laughs) People say, I've read the Bible. Good. Keep reading. (laughs) One time reading the Bible is nothing. I mean, you want to keep reading it carefully and meditatively. Um, I've heard it said, it's not about mastering the Word. It's about being mastered by the Word of God. And do what it says. Um, that's what James says. Don't just hear it. Anyone can hear it. <laughs> Do what it says. It's like a kid who says, yeah, I know all my dad's rules. I can list them out to you. I've got them memorized. 
I don't follow any of them, but I, but I know them, right? What good is that? I know all the United States uh, speeding laws and traffic laws, uh, but I break them every day. Oh, what good is that? It, knowing the word is not the goal. Are you doing what it says and following the scriptures? And then verses 16 and 17, be fully equipped. Be fully equipped by the scriptures. Uh, he says here, Paul tells us what the scriptures do, that they equip us. He says it is profitable. Uh, it, it, it's beneficial. It's helpful. Uh, it blesses us. Um, how does it do so? It says first, it's useful for teaching. We need to learn, understand who God is and what the Christian life is like. Uh, you want to learn. It's good for reproof and correction. Um, there are things in our life that are bad. <laughs> there are things in our life that need to be corrected, that we need to be convicted of, that need to change. And the Bible reminds us of things that need reproof or correction, that we need to repent of and grow in and change from. And it's useful for training in righteousness. The Bible shows us how to live for God. Uh, what is a life well-pleasing to Him in Christ look like? How do we do what is right? Do righteousness. That he says, the man of God, and he's not excluding women here. Uh, man of God is a, is a phrase we find all over the Bible in the Old Testament. The prophets called the man of God, but certainly applies to women just the same. Um, would be complete, equipped for every good work. Fully equipped. I love that. Uh, are you equipped for the, for the Christian life? Um, I mentioned before that a, a Navy SEAL uh, hopefully is fully equipped before he goes to the battlefield. And it costs about a million dollars between training and equipment and sending him out to where he needs to go. About a million dollars per Navy SEAL to put him on the field. That's how important it is to make sure they're equipped before they're sent to do something. Uh, they need to be educated, trained, they need body armor, they need weapon, weapons, they need to be mobilized. In the same way, friends, are you equipped? Any vocation, any calling needs equipment. Do you have a degree, maybe, for the, call, the job you're doing, a, a, Training, on-the-job training, the tools, the equipment you need, the books that you need to, to learn, a manager who oversees your job, there's equipment. Well, in the same way, friends, we're called to be equipped for the Christian life. Um, so we just mentioned about moms. What are moms doing every day? Hopefully they're equipping their kids, your young kids, for the world. Until the day they're finally sent out, and you still have some influence, moms, for the rest of their lives, the rest of your life. Uh, but your influence begins to get minimized. But hopefully you've equipped them well to live in this world. That's why we need the church. Um, the church is here to equip you. Uh, to equip you to live for Jesus. That's what we do as a church. That's why we gather together, to be equipped. Um, a Christian without a church is unequipped. I mean, he's, he, he or she, I mean, where are they getting their teaching? Where are they getting the challenge? I mean, there are other places you can get it, certainly. Um, you know, the podcasts and books and so forth. That's the purpose of the church. Um, why we, we, we commit to one local body. I like what John Stott says, and I think I have, have this on the screen. Uh, the late John Stott said, An unchurched Christian is a grotesque anomaly. <laughs> An unchurched Christian is a grotesque anomaly. The New Testament knows nothing of such a person. It's true. For the church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. It is not a divine afterthought. It is not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. It's what we do. We come to church to be equipped to live the Christian life. And without being equipped, friends, we are spiritually vulnerable. Vulnerable to what? To false teaching. Uh, to worldly temptations. To demonic influence. And so we're called to be equipped by the scriptures.
Um, and that's true of pastors, by the way, uh, by the way, as well. Um, hopefully, any pastor is well equipped. That's why you send them off to seminary, learn good theology, uh, have a good library. <laughs> uh, usually, pastors love their library. Uh, have a good el- group of elders to support and a great staff, which we do here. And certainly, friends, you guys often mention that you pray for me, and I'm sure for Pastor Mike as well. We really appreciate those prayers. We need those prayers, definitely, to stay equipped. And, of course, uh, have a group of pastor friends. One of them is really a, a mentor that I meet with months a month. Um, others, that on, on a friend basis, uh, we pray together. Um, I'm part of a program at Gordon-Conwell. I want to make sure I'm staying equipped to be the best pastor I can be uh, for you. Um, friends, we need to stay equipped with a local church. I mean, think about how does a lion hunt? I got a picture of a lion. And, and moms, you know, just like in the, in, the, in, in the human world, it seems like the female lionesses do all the work, right? I mean, they do all the hunting anyway. They do all the work for preparation. That's how it works in the wild. But what do they do? Uh, they look for the ones separated from the pack. They look for somebody who is sort of straggling behind and no longer connected to a group. That's Satan's strategy as well. Uh, when we get separated from a church, we become unequipped, we become vulnerable. We want to stay fresh and mature in the faith. We stay connected to a local church. The church studies the scriptures. We believe the gospel, the central message of the Christian faith. We're members of a local church body, God's people who believe. And we study the scriptures together. Friends, this is one we want to make sure we get right. And you want to make sure you get right in your own life. Um, you know, it's important to get things right. When it comes to your health, you, you want to get that right, right? Uh, you want to make sure you have a good diet and exercise. Go easy on the carbs and sugar, right? Make sure you get your 10,000 steps in a day, which is really hard, by the way, uh, to get your 10,000 steps in every day. Uh, you want to get that right. When it comes to your finances, you want to get that right, right? Stay out of debt. Make sure you're building a 401k, budget well, etc. Um, when it comes to, to work and family balance, you want to balance that family time and work time. Make sure you're spending that time with your kids and want to get that right. When it comes to the church, friends, we want to make sure we get this right. Make sure you find a Bible-believing church and continue to be equipped in the scriptures, which are able to make us wise for salvation. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Well, gracious God, thank you so much for uh, the power of your word and the reminder of its inspiration this morning. Uh, thank you for the way you use other people uh, in our lives, Lord, to teach us the word that we continue to grow in understanding it. I pray you'd continue to do that and that you would use us, Lord, the people in this very room here to help witness and teach and instruct and disciple others that they might know you more. Thank you, Father, for your word, which is unlike any other book. This book changes lives, transforms lives, transforms cultures and revitalizes and refreshes churches. And thank you, Father, that we are spiritually equipped by the scriptures. Help us to stay fresh in our faith, deeply in love with you, our Redeemer and our Savior, 
knowing you rightly and clearly and worshiping you faithfully, Lord. Thank you for your presence with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.